Hey there, friends. Jay Stephen Willard here for another week of There Once Was a Yogi. I am coming to you live. Well, not live. I am recording to you from location from Nashville, Tennessee, where we had snow Friday night. That was kind of fun and interesting, and it's been cold AF. And I always used to think that I really liked cold weather. I think I only really like the fashions of cold weather. I don't really like any physical discomfort. Alas, extreme cold, extreme heat. Not my best friends. But anyway, I, 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 I divert. <laughs> sure. Uh, this week I am bringing you a conversation with my friend, Dr. Carissa, who is a psychologist and also a, uh, a new friend and a and a yoga regular, yoga class regular. And we have a really interesting discussion about sort of the differences between resolutions and intentions and what self-care is and and the importance of taking care of your mental health. And it's just, it's a really um, comforting conversation, I find. And I hope that you will really enjoy it. And I will see you, or I will talk to you soon. But, you know, I guess if you wanted to see me and if you wanted me to see you, I am still teaching in, in studio, in person, but I'm also teaching via Zoom. And if you want to take a, a group class, I'm teaching primarily at Holy Cow Yoga Center, holycowyoga.com, and you can register for a Zoom class with me there. Or if you want to shoot me a DM on the Instagram at There Once Was a Yogi, or an email, There Once Was a Yogi at gmail.com. I am also seeing private clients, and we can set up something via Zoom that way. So we could actually see and have an interactive conversation. Although even in those, I tend to kind of take control of it. Anyway, (laughs) enjoy this week's conversation. Jay Stephen Willard here. If you want to practice with me, there are lots of options available to you. Maybe not lots, but there are a few. There's a YouTube channel. There once was a yogi. I have many practices up on that. Some are short, 10, 15 minutes. Some are an hour. Some are vinyasa yoga, some are yin yoga, some are meditation. Perfect to fit into your schedule. If you want to take a live class with me, you don't live in the Charleston area. I teach primarily at Holy Cow Yoga Center, Charleston's longest running yoga studio. It might even be the longest running studio in the country. But holycowyoga.com, you can take any of my classes via Zoom. Or if you want to work with me one-on-one with yoga or meditation, Shoot me an email, there once was a yogi, at gmail, or DM me at, you guessed it, there once was a yogi. Look forward to seeing you on your mat. Hey there, friends. If you are like me, where you have a head with no hair but lots of skin, then Mantle Skin Care could be the product you are looking for. It is a simple and effective system, a cleanser, a SPF moisturizer, and a moisturizer. Simple packaging, clean, smells great, easy to use. I have been using these products for, I don't know, two years. They were created or co-created by Karamo Brown of uh, Queer Eye fame, a fellow bald person. And uh, they're great because I don't know about you, but like I used to feel weird about using shower gel on my scalp, but face wash seemed too extravagant. And Mantle's Cleanser is designed to be used on your whole head. So whether you are completely bald or you just have some stubble, it works great. Doesn't leave it greasy. Same with the SPF and the moisturizer. You can apply these over your whole head. I do one pump of the moisturizer, literally all over my face, my neck, my head, my ears. Then I do the SPF, which is the best SPF I have used. It's this clear kind of gel and it just goes on, it disappears into your skin, doesn't feel like you sweat it into your eyes later or or feels gross or anything like that. But Mantle, M-A-N-T-L dot com, use promo code YOGI15 for 15% off on your purchase. And let's go into 22 looking great. Looking to step up your self-care game? Best Buds makes a great addition to your routine. Best Buds is a premier manufacturer of federally compliant cannabis products. Their products include bud, CBD, oils, gummies, lotions, edibles, vape, pre-rolls, you name it. I love these products. If you live in Charleston, 
they will even bring them to your door. I have ordered stuff at like noon and there they are like two hours later. I love the gummies. My, my typical routine is this. I do an oil in the morning and I do a, a gummy at night. If I want a little more oomph, I'll go with one of the Delta 8 gummies. If I just kind of mellowing out one of the CBDs, the topicals are great for pulled muscles, especially if you're starting back up with a workout routine. Those topicals are amazing. And there's a beard oil that, uh, that smells really great. I don't have a beard, but I've smelled it. It's a great product. And you can go to bestbudsbff.com and use promo code YOGI10, Y-O-G-I-10, and get 10% off your purchase. Let's mellow it out this year, y'all. All right, take two. Actually, this is technically like take 17 or something. <laughs> Just so, fine. Meant right. to be. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> something, something beautiful will come out of this. <laughs> okay, friends, I am uh, here with my friend, Dr. Carissa, who uh, began my streak of uh, Canadian popularity. You were the first Canadian that I became popular. Oh, no, maybe you were my second Canadian I became popular with. Yeah. Well, I'll take it. I'll take some place. <laughs> I, I have a big uh, Canadian following. <laughs> Actually, I do have a small, when I look at the analytics, I do have a small uh, listenership in Canada and Mexico. Oh, interesting. Very. So I don't know what that means. But anyway, this is my friend, Dr. Dr. Carissa, who is a psychologist. And we recorded this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, and it was a great conversation. And then, um, in typical holiday rush, I was like, oh, I, I don't need to listen to it. I'll just go ahead and post it. And, uh, I posted it. I was making a supersized episode and my friend who also was on it, she's like, uh, the first hour is blank. <laughs> so it turned out it's the fucking mic that I use. We just tried it now. And it yes. We just tried it now. So we have determined it's the fucking mic <laughs> and uh but yeah. we're rolling but we're rolling. rolling so when we chatted before it was around um like holiday feelings yes because i i made the joke of i know it's comfort and joy but also despair and loneliness but <laughs> right. we had a great Brings conversation up everything. everything so now though we're in new year energy and so, and I read something recently that talked about maybe instead of resolutions of making, a, of setting mindful intentions. Mm -hmm. So from a psychological point of view, yes. what's your opinion on that? Well, I think anytime we're kind of, we can <clears throat> put into kind of, a, just simplify it as much as possible because it's really mm. a tall order to expect mm -hmm. ourselves to do a 180. Right. So anytime we can kind of set that intention or if it feels like a goal, although goal I think has just been overused. Yeah. And so we yeah. probably like something fresh, especially mm -hmm. in the new year. Um, so that intention of, you know, but keeping it simple would mm -hmm. be my recommendation because I think we expect so much. Right. And then we just say, well, all or nothing thinking kicks in. Mm -hmm. And if I can't meet that, then to heck with it. Do you think that there is a, uh, a self-sabotage um, aspect to it sometimes of where people maybe set really unrealistic resolutions? Like, I don't know, I'm going to lose 100 pounds this year. Right, right. And when maybe they've never lost weight before. Right. <laughs> and then that somehow that sort of uh, reinforces sometimes negative uh, beliefs or stories that we have about ourselves. Right. It just creates that evidence that, see, I can't do this. Right. Whereas if we said, I want to engage in, you know, four to five yoga classes mm -hmm. on, on a given week or just at least do one yoga class, it's something that we can measure. Yeah. Versus this kind of global or right. lofty goal. Right. Yeah. Do you think that some people are just wired better for uh, resolutions than others? Because it seems like like type A people, I'm not a type A by any means. I think I'm, a, I'm like a type or something <laughs> but do you think that like type A's because of that focus like they can set a resolution like I'm going to run three 10k's this year and actually do it right so right. is there is there some pathology to it well I think it just they're they like the goals they like the mm. kind of idea that let me challenge myself mm -hmm. um, and let me try to give something up or let me, you know, you hear people talking about dry January and mm. let me just kind of play with that. And I think that probably more of the type A or um, 
some would say energy, uh, energized, uptight, um, <laughs> like that kind of, okay, what am I trying to do differently mm, this month, that okay. challenge? Yeah. Others, um, they don't really respond as well to that. Mm-hmm. So the, they might be more like, let's keep it kind of light, but simple. Gotcha. Because simple, of course, is the, all the Buddhists will say, it's not easy. But right. it's sort of what we, it would be ideal if we can lean towards that. Well, I think that's part of the problem is we, we want life to be easy and it just so seldom is. Or we complicate things or we get oh, yeah. in our own way. Oh, yeah. 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 What are your thoughts on uh, dry January? I think it's nice to just try something to see how you feel because mm. um, it does give your body a break. You know, literally. Yes. Being detoxed. <laughs> um, it, from what I understand, it's about three weeks of white knuckling it. Mm. If you're kind of, you have that certain relationship <clears throat> with oh, alcohol. Wow. And then it eases up where I'm hearing more and more of people then prolonging dry January mm-hmm. because they feel like their sleep has improved, their energy, I would say even yoga poses shift. Mm, yeah. You are able to do a pose that maybe you couldn't do if there was kind of a regular alcohol use. Mm-hmm. So it's neat to watch that play out. And again, it's good to tell the brain like, this isn't forever. Yeah. You know, as soon as we operate in extremes or absolutes or mm-hmm. all or nothing, I think that can be very sabotaging. Yeah. I think also too though, I mean, um, I know speaking personally, over the last almost two years now, uh, my drinking definitely took an uptick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, but it's one of those things of where I, I, do you think that there are people that are legit getting through this without some substance yeah. well, assistance? I think some sort of <laughs> maladaptive coping occurs for all of us. Yeah. It's just whether it's like, when, you know, cookies or. Whether it's, yeah, the relationship with food, relationship with alcohol, mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but some, you, I think this has just been a test oh of God. coping. But I think we've all... Somehow, we've... Either barely passed or... <laughs> yeah. Or misused something. Mm-hmm. Well, I think also, too, it's probably important to realize that it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, a substance that may have had an uptick in the last two years. Like, I know... Uh, a friend of mine had a started doing a lot more online shopping, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know another friend of mine started playing more online blackjack, and so there are other behaviors that are yeah that are not you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So is there hmm, how do I want to put this? How do you know that that's because I do think at some point it it can serve you very temporarily. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like the thing of, but where does it, where's the shift where having a glass or several of wine at night goes from, eh, it's COVID, to a, a problem? Right. And how can you identify that? Well, in the psych world, the big kind of um, marker is usually it's affecting functioning. Mm. So once it starts to kind of derail one's functioning, whether it's at work or relationships mm-hmm. or relationship with self, Mm. Um, the minute that gets derailed and it impacts that, that's when we usually know mm-hmm. something needs to be tweaked or mm. um, played with a little bit. Gotcha. Um, and I think for so many issues, um, I've noticed this even in my work with eating disorders, it starts out as a solution to a problem. Whether right. it's binge eating, bulimia, anorexia nervosa, it starts out as a as kind of the only solution and becomes mm. a problem in and of itself mm-hmm. that then needs to be treated. Mm-hmm. And I think that can play out, you know, whether it's drugs, um, prescription medications, um, alcohol, shopping, spending, relationships, mm-hmm. what have you. Mm. It starts out as that quick solution, right. relief, and then it causes problems. Would it be fair to say that uh, <laughs> if you think it's a problem, there's a pretty good chance it is a problem? That's what most of the <laughs> memoirs and the, uh, you know, anybody that's yeah. read about their addiction will say, yeah. I don't want this to be my thing, but it seems like one author in particular, Laura McCallum, writes a lot about addiction and alcohol, and she says, I don't want this to be my thing, but it but is I my thing. But I think it's thing. my thing, yeah. And when we say that to ourselves, it probably is. Oh, yeah. Um, because usually, you know, we it's, it's hard to face it, mm-hmm. but it's probably going to be, it's an issue that needs to be addressed do you think it's harder though in the current climate like just because i mean there's 
I mean, it honestly feels like there is just no certainty in the world anymore. <laughs> like, all the things that we've put, you know, trust in, systems, you know, whether it's, it's something as benign as retail mm-hmm. uh, through, like, government. Like, nothing is steady or, yeah, or predictable. So how, how do you get, how do you get a, a handle on that? Like, you know, like, how do you become still in, like, a swirling shitstorm. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's kind of the ticket. It seems like everybody sort of derails a little bit to some extent. Yeah. Human, uh-huh. And then we realize, okay, I probably need to do some internal work. Yeah. You know, my relationship with self probably needs some addressing. Mm. I need to figure out even where I stand emotionally on things, how I'm mm-hmm. coping with my emotions. Mm-hmm. So I, but it's not uncommon to act out, if you will. Right. And just try different things that are maladaptive or that don't serve you well mm-hmm. and then come back to, I probably need to shift that more internal mm. space. Yeah. And, you know, where it's attending one of your classes or doing meditation or something, just tuning into one's emotional climate. Yeah. I think is so important. Yeah, I think so too. You know, it's funny when you brought up the, the meditation thing. I was listening to um, an interview with this uh, guy that used to teach a uh, specific... I'm going to say specific brand of yoga. Y'all could probably figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) And he was saying, you know, that there are some people that were, that meditation actually does not serve them because they're so wound tight or something that they're better served like lifting weights or, or running or something physical like that. Um, Do you think that's true? Do you think, because I feel like everyone can benefit from meditation. I think especially in our era with the devices mm-hmm. and social media to train oh my God. the mind. I have like no attention span anymore. <laughs> like, exactly. like I will I literally pull up my phone because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to look something up. And then like something, like a notification or something will catch my eye and then I'm like, oh. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, what the fuck did I put this phone up for? That's right. <laughs> I'm going down a lot of rabbit holes. Yeah. I mean, it's the same. I mean, I used to make fun of my mom for making lists when she would go to the grocery store. But shit, if I don't do that anymore. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so you've mentioned a few times uh, sense of self. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I'm not a big resolution person for all the reasons that you said earlier. But I do, I don't know, a few years ago, I became a little bit more intentional, uh, like on the new year. But I also recognize, you know, you can do this any day, any time. Like, it doesn't, doesn't have to be a Monday. It doesn't have to be the first of the year. But one of my intentions was uh, to uh, cultivate more self-compassion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, there's uh, self-love and self-care are terms that are, you know, bandied about a lot in your field and in, in mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but compassion to, self-compassion to me seems less uh, treacly yes. <laughs> than self-love. Right. And I feel like a lot of people's self-care is very limited, I think, because yeah. you yes. know, it's more than a mask right. <laughs> and a bath yes. and a glass of Pinot. So, mm-hmm. we're, so self-compassion can be a big, can be a tall order yes. for a lot of us. Yes. Where, where do you, where's a good place to start, do you think? Well, I find just starting to really tune into one's emotions, their mm-hmm. emotional climate. This is, a, this is a tall order, but to begin to just notice what one's feeling. Because I do mm-hmm. think that is probably our most intimate relationship with self, is our affect. Mm-hmm. Our thoughts, you know, and logic, it's, it's going to do its thing. Yeah. But how you're actually feeling, you see this with kids, they uh-huh. are just on point. With how they feel about others, what yeah. they feel. What age does that stop though? Because I feel like <laughs> I, I think we get trained out of it. We totally do, and yeah. we get um, we it becomes where you just focus on the shoulds, right, and the oughts, right, and the you know logic behind everything versus you know they're so if watching kids and even having my own um, girls, I just see that they are just on point, yeah, with what's coming up for them, what they notice, um, and really honoring that Mm -hmm. and I think we as adults can go back to accessing that part of us Mm. and just beginning to even take note I think of it more like taking the temperature yeah versus you know often it's like I shouldn't feel angry Mm -hmm. I shouldn't feel sadness and it's just I'm feeling angry I'm feeling a surge of rage or a surge of uh, despair Mm -hmm. and 
we just hold that yeah. non-judgmentally. Because there are a lot of times where those are very appropriate yes. <laughs> feelings des- and responses. Yes, and we can decide what we're going to do with them later. Because mm-hmm. auto- automatically we usually jump to, what am I going to do with that? Yeah. When we just want to hold it, and that's where I think the self-compassion comes in, which is that's the relationship with self. I'm going to hold this mm-hmm. experience and just let it be, mm-hmm. kind of let it marinate a little bit, and then I'll maybe start to collect some data as to how I want to use that emotion. Gotcha. But you know, I think, and you probably see this a lot too, of where I think that so many people though are just um, uh, not just out of touch with like that part of themselves, but are, are terrified to get in touch yes. with that part of, of themselves. Yes. Again, I, I, I sort of have had the privilege of watching in my clinical work mm-hmm. people have been conditioned and programmed they've been re- they've received family messages they've received relational right. messages right. teachers you name it society yeah. that says step away mm-hmm. and so then we say okay let's come towards it now let's face the emotional climate and it is terrifying yeah and initially when it's been so um, locked up mm-hmm. and shut down mm-hmm. it's intense yeah and yeah. what it's really been fascinating to watch clinically, and you'll read it in the textbooks, but to actually see it happen with clients mm-hmm. where they move towards that darkness. And initially, it's they'll feel like a, you know, they'll say, I feel like a hot mess. Right. This is so intense. And this is often why people avoid it. Yeah. But the more, it feels a little cliche, but the more we stay in that mud, it starts to, it actually starts to neutralize. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is all the buildup, it's so messy initially, but as they work through it and start to just feel, yeah, it, their emotions actually start to appropriately match mm. the situation because yeah. they're no longer just stuff, stuff, stuff. And then it's like, what, what am I actually angry about? I have no idea because this mm. is so uncommon for mm-hmm. me to access. Yeah. So as they work with it, it's like, oh, this is what's making me angry. Yeah. It becomes a little cleaner yeah. in the sense of what their triggers are. But initially, oh gosh, it's... It is just so overwhelming, which is why people say this is why we've avoided it altogether. <laughs> well, I think, you know, uh, one thing that sort of, I can't remember who I heard say this, said that, you know, it, it's, it's like we all went through puberty. And I don't think anyone went through a not, you know, everyone, even Cindy Crawford, had like an awkward puberty oh, yeah. phase at some point. And I think we tend to have this idea that growth is linear mm-hmm. and... Um, I, there's a, I think I said this to you last time, there's a great uh, uh, Casey Musgraves line uh, that healing doesn't happen in a straight line. Yes. And I think that that's hard for people to, to wrap around. And I don't think that social media helps in a lot of cases. Right. right. Um, so how, what's a good way for us to get around like that whole com- comparison bullshit? Yeah, there's kind of that old saying, there's despair when we compare. Mm. We, you know, I think it, depending on what you're following on social media, mm-hmm. there are the authors and the, um, you know, the posts that really support the messiness. Right. And that if we move towards messiness, like, you know, Glennon Doyle's work. Yeah. Um, Brene Brown, of course. Yeah. She does all this. Ashley Judd. I mean, they all look at... Mm. kind of the messiness mm-hmm. and they actually speak from their own experience of their own darkness mm. and how we stay in that and we'll kind of move to the other side yeah. of it um, and that you know I've got that book uh, No Mud No Lotus Thich Nhat Hans. Yeah. I mean the book is great he's, he's a great author but I love that that message of No Mud No Lotus Right. and that's sort of kind of in essence why we try to stay with our emotional terrain well, I mean, even a caterpillar turns to goo before it <laughs> <That's right. laughs> becomes a butterfly. That. That's right. You know? We've got to go through that phase. Yes. And uh, how do you know, like, if you're someone who's who's working through this, uh, if you're working through stuff, um, what's a good barometer to know when maybe you need to walk with someone through it, a professional? I would say if you just feel like you're looping. Mm. around and around in it you feel kind of stuck you need sort of another you know pair of eyes on the symptoms Mm -hmm. another pair of eyes on what you're kind of ruminating in your mind I think it just if it feels like oh I want to do this differently I don't want to behave in this way right and it just keeps happening Mm. and I can't um, unhinge myself from it yeah Uh, this has a hold on me and I've tried all these different angles and that's when 
I can maybe try to get another perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, usually it's just that stuck feeling. Mm. I think, uh, and they're distressed. Uh, the way that I think really therapy really takes for people is when people are distressed by their behavior. Mm. Those that are just like, you should do therapy, you should do therapy. <sighs> that person may not be distressed. They're really not going to get much out of the therapeutic process. Yeah. But if I'm distressed about the way I'm feeling or behaving, that's going to take a little bit better in terms of um, my response to to therapy, to uh, you know, a, a type of method that's going to help me. Do you ever have patients where you, you just feel like they just want to tell their story for the hour? <laughs> well, there's nuggets in the story. And what's their name? <laughs> <laughs> there's always nuggets in the story. Okay. And, it, and even when people are sharing their story, you know, we, I'm, I'm trying to bridge the affect, the emotion. Yeah. So that's kind of moves the process a little deeper. Okay. Yeah, because definitely it's great if people are willing to open up and start to, you know, dig deep. But we're trying to simultaneously look at what's happening emotionally, mm-hmm. both in the session mm-hmm. as well as um, at the time of the event or the time where, you know, something is distressing to them. Yeah. Do you, uh, you mentioned uh, eating disorders earlier. Mm-hmm. Is, is that a lot of your work? Yes. Initially, um, that was kind of a lot of um, my main specialization area. Mm-hmm. I was kind of um, eating, drinking, and breathing the world of eating disorders. Oh, wow. I probably What's that do to you? <laughs> makes <laughs> me, it makes me very aware of just my relationship with my body and food yeah. and activity. Um, I, but I just, that whole um, struggle is really fascinating mm-hmm. to me. Um, well, any addiction really, and it can it's it's similar to an addiction in many uh, respects. Oh, that it's different. Totally, yeah. yeah. In other ways, but I think what's really fascinating with an eating disorder is um, it is so unique to each person. Mm. So there's no real like, oh, it's about control. No, right. not necessarily. Um, and if I can together with my client, we can explore there's a reason this came about, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're often in a very self-loathing, self-blaming right. place. I shouldn't be starving myself. I shouldn't be binging, is, purging, right. um, binging. Mm. They just, they, there's so much self-loathing. They, that's often, they don't even talk about it with others. Mm. And so together their courage to begin to kind of unpack that and look at how this formed in, in, in the first place. Cause we're not mm. born right to be doing this type right. of behavior and this type of kind of self-harm yeah um and it's always so unique for each person but mm-hmm. we come to understand again the it started out as a solution mm-hmm. um but then became really the eating disorder world is deadly it's yeah. um yeah. got the highest mortality rate for uh, all of the diagnoses in psych wow so it's 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 so life-threatening, and yet it's very functional for the person doing mm. it. And um, I read something not long ago that it's the the number has really gone up in men mm-hmm. and young and young boys. Yes, I think with the push towards social media mm-hmm. and this, um, you know, we just live in this thin ideal culture. Yeah, and um, you know, uh, this kind of V shape for the men and right. the Adonis complex. I mean, all of that is. It's, it's really it, I've even sort of watched it where it's it's neck and neck in terms of people struggling it's wow. just sometimes I think for the men it gets dismissed mm, yeah it's a little yeah. bit more kind of hidden mm-hmm. um, and you know one of the thankfully the our diagno- diagnostic manual has changed but one of the um, diagnostic features to diagnose someone with anorexia nervosa is the loss of the menstrual cycle, mm. amenorrhea. Yeah. Well, for a for men, boy, what, for what, men, yeah, would it be? wouldn't fit the criteria. Yeah. So now they've changed that, thank goodness. Mm. And it's much more inclusive of men. And you're going to see low testosterone levels. Right. They're going to be at a, right. a certain particular weight. Um, so it's much more. But even our diagnostic criteria was leaving out men. Well, and there's so many things that fall under that umbrella, too. Because I can remember in my early 20s, excuse me like I was a fat kid (laughs) and and it was only when I started like doing this kind of work on myself like I realized that I became a fat kid as a result of a trauma right and so you know the fat was protective and blah 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 and then you know you get to high school or whatever and it's like oh and so I had reached this certain uh, 
weight that I thought was the ideal. And I, I like, I never, I couldn't never, I have a thing about throwing up. I can't make myself do it. But, but I would eat and then I would exercise obsessively after everything I ate. Right. Like if I ate uh, a cracker, I would get on an exercise bike for like 10 minutes. And, right. and like, I don't know what that would be considered. Back in the day, it was called, you know, more of an exercise bulimia, but it still mm. falls in the category of bulimia because there's compensatory behavior. Yeah. You're compensating for the food intake. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily through vomiting or throwing up or laxatives. Right. Um, but it's through uh, these other behaviors like mm-hmm. exercising. Yeah. Um, and like, I would freak out if I missed a day of exercising. Right. Yes. And that went on for like two or three years easily. Right, so it's it's no longer it's no longer something that you're doing to support your health and your well being. Yeah, it's more to compensate for the food intake, which has that more of an eating disorder feel. Mm-hmm. Now, one that really is similar to that that gets hidden is orthorexia, which is this real preoccupation with health and wellness mm. to the point, and the marker is usually that it's harming your body. Right. So you know, we're exercising when we're injured. Mm-hmm. It's not, mm. I respect my body and so yeah. I'm giving it breaks so that it can restore itself. The, mm. There's there's a self-harm feel to it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, I feel like this all falls under the, the self-compassion umbrella, by the way. Oh yeah, the, uh, definitely. But it's, it's one of those things that sometimes when you're in it, you can't see it. Right. And then, but then if people close to you see it and say something, yes. like you still, like it still doesn't register. No, it's kind of, you know, that this, this mentality of the stages of change, sometimes we're just in that pre-contemplation mm-hmm. of just, we'll take a little bit of the information in, but we're not ready to shift yeah. any of the thinking, any of the um, behavior itself. Right. But that's still an important part. Even somebody considering like, I may have an issue is still welcomed mm. because you can start, you know, start doing some groundwork around that. Yeah, and we don't jump to well. Then that needs to lead to behavior change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just we're going to take the people where they're at, and I often tell um, my clients, I'm not going to take your eating disorder away, or I'm not going right. to take away your well, maladaptive yeah. behavior. You get to decide how you're going to play with that, how you're going to work with that. You'll decide when you're ready to. Kind of let it go and it almost um, one author uses this example of life preservers you know that's their life preserver mm. we're not going to take it away right but we're going to create some other life preservers so it's not the knee-jerk go-to yeah yeah yeah. whether that's alcohol misusing prescription drugs um whatever the maladaptive dysfunctional kind of behavior is that has a self-harming quality yeah well it falls into that thing uh it, to the what we were talking about with uh healing in general or growth in general is that I think so many times we set this like finish line in our head that, okay, after 12 sessions with Dr. Dr. Carissa, yeah. I will no longer have this behavior right. or whatever. And, um, well, insurance used to set it up that way. That's true. You get 20 sessions that's a, true. a year, but yeah. Yeah. The, it, it, yes. Well, and I think you and I said, talked about this uh, <laughs> On the Lost episode. Um, <laughs> the Lost Tapes. <laughs> lost Tapes. Maybe Peter Jackson will unearth them and make a nine-hour documentary out of it. But um, a, a phrase that I uh, love is like learning to live from the scar and not the wound. Yes. And But I think that so many of us just think that we can get around the scar yes. or not scar at all. Right. But I mean, but that's just... I think how it works, right? Like, I mean, yes. like if you have, a, I mean, I still have scars from like injuries when I was a kid. Yeah. So if you take a, an injury to your psyche. Yes. We need to attend to it. That's where that's, again, that self-compassion that you mentioned comes mm-hmm. in. We need to respect that there is a scar, there is trauma, there is, there are wounds that need to be properly attended to. And often people are so worried that I'm going to stay there. I'm going to stay in kind of this, what they'll say is this victim mentality, Mm. um, but there is victim, the the person is a victim, Mm -hmm. and we have to own that, and then work with it so we can simultaneously also claim a future. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, holding that there's real pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
and so it's kind of being able to sort of honor that and then move through that in a way that okay we've got to find other ways so that you can actually have feel like you have a life Mm -hmm. and that's meaningful yeah do you think that um learning to relanguage your experiences helps because like you said the word victim yeah and i think that some people can really get attached to that label of victim yes because then that becomes something that they can get something from Mm -hmm. and i'd say this from experience of like oh if i'm sick you know i get to stay home from school and my mom pays attention to me all day yes so can relanguaging or learning how to reframe or to retell your story can that be helpful definitely definitely i think anytime we're actually treating our story with respect Mm -hmm. and trying to um to to digest it Mm. and whether that's coming up with a different angle on it we you know without dismissing it by that right of course that would never happen but just really looking at it from like okay you you formed this behavior because you were trying to protect yourself or yeah you needed to create boundaries and this was your only way to do it at eight Mm -hmm. um we honor that and Mm -hmm. so it's that's where it's just kind of that reframing that um is common in psych of just let's look at it from a different angle. We're not going to talk you out of your experience. We're just going to let's look at it from this angle and see how it leaves you emotionally mm-hmm. feeling. I had a friend who used to say uh, that he hated the word survivor because he said that just means you didn't die. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> He's like, pick a better word. <laughs> it doesn't resonate for him. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I always think about that sometimes when I hear that, that word. But um, uh, how I had to... Uh, God, my memory is just shit now, Carissa. It's just, God, oh, I swear. We're losing you. We're losing you. Damn. <laughs> well, and just to kind of um, come back to your uh, question around social media and the mm-hmm. comparison in, in that same um, thread and that same line of thinking, it's to know that on some level, everybody's suffering and struggling with something. We all right. have an Achilles heel. Right. If we've lived, yeah. there's something that you may be unfazed by that I'm just so triggered by. Yeah. And so when we're seeing even like on social media or you hear about people, you know there's some struggle and we don't, of course, celebrate that. We just know that, oh good, it's, it's I'm not alone. I will say though, I, I, that's one thing that I, I've, I've liked, uh, the trend that has happened over the last few years in social media is that a lot of people are being much more vulnerable yes. and sharing that stuff. And then, you know, when you see it, you're like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one that right. can't poop in public. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes there's that anxiety. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, um, you, it's magnetic mm-hmm. of you're going to get followers when mm-hmm. you're actually real and you are totally. dealing with kind totally. of the junk yeah. of life, of the junk of your mindset and you're, you're trying to work on stuff. It just, you're, it's magnetic. Yeah. Versus feeling like you have it all together. It was very interesting. I um, I have a lot of body issues. <laughs> body dysmorphia shit. And I hate having my picture taken. I, I very rarely post selfies. Like maybe one a year or two a year. I fucking hate it. Um, <laughs> but a friend of mine took some pictures of me last week. And I was actually like, wow, I really like these pictures. And uh, so I posted one. And then I, my thirst, I posted a thirst trap pic also because I also have never and probably will never again <laughs> post a shirtless pic of myself, but I posted a picture of myself in my underwear and, uh, and I just had to do it without thinking about it. Like I just, cause in, and I was amazed by how many people commented and, and said something oh. and, um, because it's just not, it's just not who I am. But, uh, but maybe it is now. I don't know. That's right. You, um, may, you may just completely lean into it. Right. <laughs> just become a thirst trap. Um, is it ever too late in life to do this work? Never. Yeah, I've seen people that um, it, are in their 70s, really? 80s. They're, oh, that's interesting. They're working. And they, what's, what's critical, as I kind of said, uh, mentioned earlier, is they actually want the help. It's not everybody telling them. Right. You need to go talk to somebody. Right. It's actually they're distressed by their own pain. And oh, wow. so they are willing to begin to look at that and, and shift their relationship with self and then, of course, with others. Mm. Um, and it's such a privilege to be able to work with that full spectrum. I would imagine so, because that's, yeah. I mean, that's really awe-inspiring because I think it's one of those things, you know, 
age becomes an excuse for a lot of uh, behaviors uh, sometimes yes. of where, you know, like, for example, I, um, you know, if you have a racist <laughs> parent or grandparent, and sometimes people will say, oh, well, you know, they're 84 years old or whatever. I'm like, yeah, they, they, you can still learn that some words are not appropriate. Still behavioral. If the yeah. minute it's a behavior, we can, we can alter that. It, again, not easy, but we can we can shift that our, yeah. our natural kind of disposition, mm-hmm. um, our sort of personality. That's mm-hmm. usually kind of pretty set, but our behavior, oh, <laughs> our attitude can shift. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but yes, at any age, and it's and but what's always hard, you know, as I have to tell people, they'll come in their fifties, they'll be saying, "I can't believe I'm 50 and I haven't mm. looked at this," but mm. it's better to be at 50 looking at it than Never ignoring it and yeah. then being 70 still mm. suffering. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's where I've now kind of worked. I don't just exclusively say I'm just working with eating disorders because I like to work, keep it very open. Most people struggle with a variety of issues, but it's just opened up in terms of dealing with all forms of distress and suffering mm-hmm. and not just um, eating disorders. I've, I've loved that area, but I like to kind of um, have some balance to yeah. other presenting issues, um, but my heart is still in that space as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would imagine too, just for your own self uh, care, that sometimes you have to like, okay, I need to I need so, to talk to a good old fashioned narcissist. <laughs> oh my God. If they would come in, they don't see any problems. That's true. It's everyone around That's them true. that sees that there's a problem. <laughs> They're all suffering because of the narcissist. Yeah. Well, and I, yes, and there's such a high burnout with mm. working with um, any type of addiction or eating disorder. Yeah. So I've been very mindful of that. When I went into private practice, I thought I've got to just do a nice balance um, and so that I don't, you know, put, feel like, okay, I've, I've yeah. gone beyond my bandwidth in this area. Mm. What's your opinion uh, that now there are like apps that you can get? counseling slash therapy through what's your opinion on that i think it can sometimes grease the wheels Mm. um, and get people just kind of a little bit acclimated to the concept of therapy um i do i'm probably a little bit old school in the sense that i there's something about making the call right being vulnerable yeah sitting in a waiting room yeah doing that initial intake making sure that you're even a match for the particular Mm. client um, I always tell my new clients, if, if this isn't the right setting, the right fit, we want to find the right fit for the person. That's the oh, only way they're going to respond therapeutically. Interesting. Um, there is just something about that human contact. And during COVID, the insurance companies have been really good with doing telehealth. Oh. Um, I didn't necessarily do Zoom, um, but I did some phone sessions. Yeah. And I think those are fruitful. People feel less alone. But I think really kind of getting into what's happening emotionally, being vulnerable, having another person's presence with you. Yeah. I can see the affect. I can see the body language. I can see where, um, what's happening to the person in the moment and we can process that. Mm -hmm. I think that's a little bit harder in more of a virtual realm, but I do think it's better than nothing. Okay. What is your, uh, what's your self compassion practice or routine look like? Yoga, your classes. <laughs> Holy <Stop>. cow! <laughs> Holycowyoga.com. Okay, take Zoom classes. <laughs> I've loved being in the studio. I'm so glad the studio yeah. came back up. That yeah. for I'm me. So, oh my gosh, same. Oh, same. But I was I so mean, grateful when you guys were there yeah. on the other side of the computer when mm-hmm. we were on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so yoga. Yoga, uh, definitely reading. Uh, def- I do that each morning. Usually wake up. Pretty early, so I'll have. Coffee. Do you have a go-to book? Well, I my one of my favorite Buddhists is Pema Chodron. Yes. So she is kind of my anchor. Mm. Um, I'll do any of her online workshops she's doing. Yeah. I've gone to Omega to see her. Oh, nice. Um, so she's kind of always sort of my anchor that I'll refer back to, and I love um, funny. Like I was, we were talking about Daniel right, Sedaris. Right, right. Uh, you know, funny memoirs. Are, are wonderful. I'm getting a little bit more into 
uh, fiction and sort yeah, of Yeah, I'm trying psych, to get back to that myself. Kind like, of the psych legal world is really oh. intriguing to me and, you know, kind of fast moving. Yeah. Um, and then sports actually is very calming for me. A good hockey game <laughs> and I am calm. A good NFL game, calm. Okay. It's very calming for me. Let's yeah. see. It's OC. Self-compassion <laughs> does not have to look like burning incense, sitting cross-legged on the floor. Although I am trying to, I want, you know, I've dabbled with meditation for years. Yeah. Do this 10 minutes, yeah. try this. And I said for this year, I really, I just, it just feels like I want this. I want this to be part of my day. Well, I happen to be teaching a workshop in a couple of weeks. I'll tell you about it off mic. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, I think one of the two, also that, uh, one of the most compassionate things that you can um, do for yourself is just to be a little more gentle with yourself. Yes. Like just like, because I, you know, I've heard it said so many times and it, I've gotten better at it. I'm st- it's still a work in progress. Like, you know, if you had someone in your life that spoke to you the way you speak to yourself, it's, like, would you, you know what I mean? It's, so it's stunning. Yeah. And I, I find too, when I'm first working with somebody, they don't even really realize I know. how much they are I turning heard, on themselves. Right. It took me sometimes, well, this was uh, a few, like definitely pre-COVID when the room used to have a lot more people in it. Yes. And I would have a lot more interaction, a lot more conversations with people. Of where I would sometimes hear people would be telling me something about something they were going through and the way they were talking about it and talking about themselves. I was like, damn. And then it made me think, though, like, shit, I think I do this. And so, yeah, I mean, especially with my mother. I think I told you that. Like, I I was in the car one day with my mother for eight hours and I was like, oh shit, these are, this is where these buttons have come from all these years. We, 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 I can, I can, I think we all regress we're in the, when we're in the presence of yes. parental figures, family members, mm-hmm. historical figures. Yeah. We, it's just like, we kind of go backwards a little bit, but to yeah. even not beat ourselves up for that. Mm-hmm. It's just, okay, I can see where some of this formed and I'm going to now respond to it differently. I'm not going to collude with the mistreatment. Oh, that's oh, I love that. I'm not going to collude with the mistreatment. Ooh, y'all write that down. Um, okay, this is a very broad question. Um, I used to be like the king of self-help books. Mm-hmm. Now I'm much more skeptical when I read a lot of them now. <laughs> uh, do you have like a, a book you recommend? Oh, to, just like in general? like That's kind of my love, to, my favorite. Yeah. Well, the one I've been really recommending quite a bit, as we talked about in the first round of this, is um, The Body Keeps the Score. Mm. Uh, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, who writes all about trauma. You know that just made the New York Times bestseller for like the first time, I think, I since think its publication? I on there. To me, that's been... That's a great book. That is a great book because what it's done, I've just even watched clinically, is it's just given people permission mm. to really feel like their pain is legitimate. Yeah. Because this stuff does show up in your body. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean... Sleep. Um, yeah. Any type of kind of... um, Yeah. The autoimmune stuff. Mm. You name it. Psych stuff. It's... It'll it'll play out. So that's been kind of a common go-to one that I'll I'll recommend. Um, In the eating disorders realm, uh, Jenny Schaefer has been brilliant with her work. Life Without Ed is just... When I start working with someone with an eating disorder, Mm. that's my go-to book because she really gets what the journey to recovery is like. She's gone through it. Yeah. She writes about it. Um, and uh, so life without Ed, life without the eating disorder. Oh, okay. But she had to make it more of a figure. Yeah. Like oh, a bad, interesting. toxic relationship. Yeah. Um, almost like an abusive partner. Right. Like, in okay. order to step away from it. Well, that's interesting. Disorder. So life without Ed, yeah. It's also probably a good one for parents to, to read too. Yes. Because... It's yeah. used in a lot of recovery centers mm. um, because it. She really walks through yeah. uh, the behind the scenes, not only of her therapy but her symptoms, and then the struggle to getting better. And that it's not just you know, of course, a flip of the switch. Right, right. There's there is such a journey behind it. Mm. Okay, interesting. Well, so you get to do a take uh, or a redo on the uh, the Bernard Pivo questionnaire <laughs> that we did last time. Might once, be similar. And once again, I will try to not respond or react to your responses okay what's your favorite word peace what's your least favorite word moist what excites you camping outdoors oh yeah i remember that not me 
Um, and I'm not sweating this time. That was the, the, we, we, that was it, the was, it got a little toasty. It up did. There. I was like very gross when I got home. Uh, what sound do you love? Oh, sound of a waterfall. What sound do you dislike? I used to say hate, but I'm trying to yeah. soften that this year. I don't like whining. Mm, that is a sound. That is definitely a sound. What's your favorite curse word? Shite. What profession other than yours would you like to attempt? Probably more the legal realm. Mm -hmm. And what profession would you not anything like to participate in, in? Well, anything involving blood. Nurse, physician, <laughs> for me, anybody fluid for me, anybody. <laughs> Not good fluid. with blood. And if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You made it, girl! Yay! <laughs> Welcome aboard, <laughs> my friends. Uh, Dr. Carissa has, does not do a social media profile, so you will not be able to find her and follow her. <laughs> uh, but if you live in church, well, actually, would you see patients outside of South Carolina? I'm licensed in the state, so our okay. licensing board so you, wants us to okay. practice so you you know, within the state. Don't live in Charleston, but if you lived in Columbia, so could they do a little telehealth thing? Or? They, they, they can, it's just insurance isn't covering ah, it. Ah, gotcha. That's been the tricky part okay. for people. Yep, but, well, uh, maybe we'll just let Dr. Carissa remain a mystery. <laughs> And not post any of her information <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> well, you've got my phone number, and if you want to uh, learn a That's little bit about true. therapy. That's true. If you, if anyone listening is like, oh, she sounds like she would be a fit for me, shoot me a DM, and I will share her information with you. <laughs> well, Carissa, thank you so much for uh, take two. Uh, we'll, we'll attempt a playback before I leave. My pleasure, and thank you for being you. All the humor. Thank I mean, you. You are medicine. Oh, that's and, nice. Um, all the yoga. Yeah, it's, yeah. Been, it's been a game changer for me. Getting better at taking compliments, too. Good. Good. <laughs> all right, till next time, y'all.